Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So I just did a podcast episode about noticing as a way into mindfulness and then how that ripples into everything else. Do you agree or no? The power of noticing. I would say noticing is a mindful practice. It is mindfulness. So yeah, I agree. (laughs) Why didn't you just say yes? Was that too loud? Yes. Okay, Um, sorry. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. No, I mean, noticing is mindfulness. Yes. Especially if you notice that you're noticing. What are three things that you notice about me recently? Recently? Yes. Oh, God. Um, Have you not been mindful in our relationship? Well, you're asking me to notice three new things, correct? Well, recently, last few months. Um, You have been very conscious of helping around the house. Mm. And I shouldn't say helping because it's not really helping when it's your house too, right? Like just doing, doing yeah. your, your, your share. Yep. Like I do my share. Um, you have been very excited and driven and passionate about the book. And what book is this? This is our new book. Yeah. It's not me. It's you. Releasing in the beginning of September and currently on pre-sale. Oh, we just lost all our followers. <laughs> we just lost all our listeners. Yep. Okay. Of course, I'm passionate about it. I mean, you are as well. Yeah. What else? You're asking me if I'm noticing yeah. about you. Uh, you have been enjoying watering the grass. Mm. Okay. What are three things that I've noticed about you? Um, I, th- I think one is being more patient with, uh, Logan and, um, when your fight or flight is activated by her screaming or too much going on, um, I think you're, you're, I, I noticed you're able to manage that more or better. It's funny that you said that cause I would feel like it's the opposite. <laughs> You think it's worse? I feel like it's been the opposite, yeah. But that's interesting that you're noticing that about me. Yeah. Uh, I'm noticing that you are uh, making more of an effort to get some, your social time in. Yes. I've, make it, I've made a conscious effort of that. You're naked, you said? No, I said, oh, yes, sorry. I've made a conscious effort of that. Wow, what is that Freudian slip? Anything that sounds like naked, I perk <laughs> exactly. up. Like, like, like a, and then um, the third thing I notice is... that well i don't know if this is you i was gonna say i noticed that you're good for me like who you are the way you are is um medicine for me who i am and the way i am Mm. you know like that so that's more like me noticing about us Mm -hmm. in what ways uh you know it's uh me uh you ground me uh, you, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm scrambling or I'm, you know, way up in the sky, um, uh, kind of pulling me back down, not in a way that is, uh, stunting my, my growth potential, 
but um, in a way that that uh, that grounds me, makes me feel like I'm not all over the place, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. So we're gonna talk about um, healthy communication. Yeah, vomiting versus um, not, not speaking at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, vomiting is more on my side. I have a pattern of um, saying everything. Yeah. I I feel like we we should be uh, completely transparent. Or mm-hmm. this is how I felt before, and uh, nothing should be hidden. Every thought you should tell your partner, you know, and that's what love looks like. And I realized over the over the years that uh, that's not what love looks like. There's actually an immaturity to that, and there's a responsibility on what you choose to disclose, and not. And what we want to talk about in this episode is like, how do you know? How do you know what? what to disclose how do you know not to disclose now vanessa is on the other side of that spectrum where it's hard for her to um express what your feelings how your state everything yeah (laughs) in an intimate relationship yeah uh and this is really important also with us this has also been kind of one of the struggles i would say no yeah i mean i think it's like anything that we talk about in relationships i find it to be more often than not that people who find themselves on the opposite ends of all of these different spectrums find each other in relationship, mm. right? Um, I, I choose to believe that part of that is because unconsciously we are searching for the other extreme to help us learn, right? To help us balance, to help us find center. Um, and it's really hard to do that without that mirror. So I do my best as like a daily practice to lean into the differences that we have, this just being one of them, as exactly that, right? As, as a mirror, um, as a lesson. So is your pattern in relationships that you don't say anything? Yeah, you know, I was just having, actually, I was just having this conversation. I went to dinner with a couple girlfriends the other night. And, and also, real quick, um, what uh, tell us, after your story, what the result of that was in relationship, right? Of not, of my pattern? Yeah. I was just having a conversation with my friends a couple nights ago. We went to dinner like two nights ago. And um, we were talking about, so one of my best friend that many listeners probably have heard of or know, my, our friend Danae, um, also a therapist. Mm-hmm. And Danae and I talk often about how I don't love working with couples. Right. It activates you. Because I'm, I'm very conflict diverse. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm not a good couples therapist. I just don't know that I enjoy it because I'm so conflict averse, right? So it, it activates me. It, it spirals me. Um, I, I recently was working with a really high conflict couple. And after every session, I was crying, like releasing yeah. energy. I mean, it was just, it was it's hard. And so... Would you say also because um, you fall under the umbrella of an empath? Yes, I, I well, I, but I think they're correlated. So I think my struggle with conflict has is connected to having like high empathic abilities. Well, the imprint on you is always deeper with sessions than me. It's not that I don't care about people. Obviously, I care about people. I want them to do well. But I have more of an ability that is, um, I think, wired where I don't take it home. So Danae's the same way. Yeah, and so I could I, I could see a couple. Um, I enjoy couples. I could see a couple, you know, throwing chairs at each other, and I would just, you know, eat popcorn. Like, I, it doesn't – they don't suck me into – And Danae's the same right. way, and so, which is it's just fascinating to me because you and Danae are very similar, and it's not surprising to me that it's, like, my best friend and my partner. <laughs> yeah, so I watched the movie, you get sucked into the riptide. 
Well, and it's funny that you say movies. So what we were talking about is at dinner is I was like, you know, we were talking about just what conflict does to me in general. And I was saying that I was like using an example that happened when we were in grad school. There was a guy that we went to grad school with who was just, he was just, he was an angry white guy. Mm -hmm. And he was just on a rampage constantly. Like he was always the victim. He was starting fights with every teacher, everybody in the class, whatever. Clearly you can tell by my voice that he activated the shit out of me. And um, there was a time in, in a class, well, at, there was a million times, but one time in particular that he kind of went in with one of our professors and they were like openly fighting in the room. And I remember just like wanting to physically crawl under the table, right? Because they were fighting in front of you. Because they were fighting. Right. And I'm not like exaggerating when I say my go-to response is I want to crawl right. under the fucking table, right? right? I hate to... it so much. It 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 shuts me down. I start to dissociate. I get flooded. I want to cry. I want to run. I don't feel safe. I but, feel panicky. But doesn't that smell familiar? And shouldn't you be comfortable with that? Because you grew up with a lot of, you know, fighting, conflict, chaos. But I think I'm uncomfortable with it because I grew up in it. So I oh, never... It you. Yeah, I never learned healthy fighting skills. I was in a house with a very loud parent who... Like, they were the only ones who there was room for big emotions, right? right? And so I felt sh I got shut down a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. Um, in response to their big emotions, right? Like, there's not room for both of us kind of thing. Um, and it just felt very unsafe. So whenever there was conflict, there was always some kind of emotional fallout. And this pattern followed me into friendships and right. early relationships, right? right. Like, um, there was always payback. It was always part of me not speaking up. And this is a long way to get into this, you know, what we're talking about. Part of me being really bad at speaking up and communicating in relationships, things that there is a potential for conflict around, which is how I view everything, by the way, is I am um, I'm always controlling and managing and manipulating the situation to protect against any potential conflict. So yeah, you, you're trying to always keep things calm. Yes, the yeah. whole not rock the boat, right. right? Because I learned that rocking the boat had emotional consequences, whether right. that was the cold shoulder, which especially growing up, that just makes you feel like the love is being taken away, like you are not lovable, period, hard stop. Um, or whether that was just outright somebody being angry, you know, but whether that's words, name calling, whatever, you mm -hmm. name it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think some people could grow up in a chaotic household and actually be really good in chaos. I find myself being the opposite. I grew up in a chaotic, in that kind of chaotic emotional environment, and I developed the serious need to control and minimize conflict at all costs. Yeah. So for me, uh, I grew up with um, a father who, um, and I think this is because he was an alcoholic. He was um, I I immature emotionally, and so he didn't. Um, have that emotional speed bump. So yeah. uh, he would express every feeling that he had. Uh, but when things were good, it was great Same. because he would say, uh, you know, I love you and you're mate, you know, like all, he would be very, you know, lovey dovey. And, mm -hmm. and, and I, but then also when things were bad, he uh, took us hostage mm -hmm. emotionally, right? Mm -hmm. And so. Isn't that um, funny? We have very similar. That's very similar the way that you just described it to my upbringing, too. Yeah. And so, but, but, the, but how that manifested in me is. Um, and maybe I don't know how much of it is, you know, uh, nurture or nature, but I grew up expressing myself, um, constantly in relationships, um, which you just said he did. 
which he did. But you know, but my brother uh, was raised under the same roof mm-hmm. with the same parents, and he has uh, struggles with expressing himself or mm-hmm. tapping into his emotions. That's always been really easy for me. So I thought in relationships, because I got a lot of praise for it, that I was that I had this natural gift, or it was a tool that I could be quote unquote sensitive. Or the guy that is lovey-dovey, or you know, talking about how my feelings, and also, you know, you're you're beautiful, and I, you know, I think you're sexy, and whatever it is, right? So I always thought it was, that was a plus. It wasn't until later I realized that um, saying everything you feel uh, isn't necessarily a, a plus, mm-hmm. and there were things that I disclosed um, in my marriage that I did before I even met her that I shouldn't have, and because I did disclose that, that was the first domino in the whole collapse of that marriage, right? So, um, Which I, I hate that story for you, because that that makes me so angry at your ex. Well, whatever, she was young, and we, we were both, both were young. emotionally mature. Yeah, but, yeah. but that, to me, I don't like people hearing that story without the context around, that does not mean that you don't speak up about your past in order to not have somebody judge you a certain way because I have very strong feelings about how my ex was completely incapable of hearing anything about my my romantic or sexual past and that made me feel so shut down and like I was only lovable if I fit into a certain mold of how he wanted to well, see here, me. Well, here's the argument. We'll get back to our, our topic because uh, we could be easily birdwalking because we could talk about this as a whole another episode. But the argument is, oh, if you told me that information before uh, you asked me to marry you, my decision would encompass your whole story, who Oof. you were before you met me. I don't like that. Yeah. Not, and so, so, and I, and I disagree. I think that, uh, um, who, who the, I mean, one, one can argue, okay, so let's say I murdered someone, mm-hmm. right? Should it, sure, you I know? Wanna, I would want to know that. Right, 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 right. But if we're just talking about sexual history and other stuff, um, I think, Anything that happened before you met the person, it shouldn't be significant. I agree. But you don't have to share it. Most pe- for most people, it is significant. For most people, they judge you on it. And they say, oh, well, if you did that, then that might be foreshadowing. And mm-hmm. you should have told me because now I'm scared you're going to do that again or whatever. Um, so part, part of me feels yeah. like it's your story and your story to own and you get to tell somebody what you want to tell them. I agree. That to me doesn't feel like that to me. And I know you and I've had this conversation a couple times. I actually feel like that story is not the same as what we would call verbal vomiting. That to me feels a little bit like, yes, you chose to disclose something about your past and everybody has the right to either disclose or not disclose. And she wasn't capable of hearing that, which I imagine at the time for you felt really fucking awful. Well, of course, because it was also a lot of shame. Right. Very and, shaming. Right. Uh, so um, you don't know where to go from here. Yeah. No, I, 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 I was thinking about how, how much I should disclose, but um yeah, and so and, and that was also a spiritual experience where I felt uh, because I got married and, and because you know uh, she was Christian and this was of, of, of a, this was a God thing, I kind of felt like and, and maybe it was maybe it was maybe it did happen. I don't know because the divorce was also the first domino in my whole rebirth and, mm-hmm. and what I'm doing now. So uh, I felt that God was telling me to come clean with my 
uh, quote unquote sins. Hmm. And that's why I told her it wasn't, and, and, but, but, but I don't know if it was really God or if it was my own personal guilty conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's why I, I told her. And then me telling her was the reason why the floor broke. That, that was the first giant piece of information that cracked the relationship. Um, and then I learned later, a lot of my guy friends was, was like, you're such an idiot. Why would you ever tell anyone, you know, old stories of, um, you know, you having whatever sex with other people or, or, or yeah. you, like, that was like stupid of you. And then I realized, oh, I thought I was being a good fiance. I thought I was being a good boyfriend. I thought I was being, by being, you know, that open, I thought then it meant like, oh, I really trust this guy. But it back, completely backfired on me. It was a lesson for you in discernment is what it was, right? It yeah. was a lesson for yeah. you in your story is your story. And you should hold parts of it close to you and yeah. and at the same time um, share things with the people that you love and that love you um, and hopefully not get shamed for it. Well, you know, with you, uh, I don't think there's anything that I could say about myself. I mean, unless I did kill someone. Yeah. That would be a fact. But I... I, uh, I guess be- it depends on the why. Besides, <laughs> for me. Be- yeah, besides murder... And, you know, I mean, really dark things yeah. like, you know, being a pedophile or something. Right, right. I don't think there's anything I could say to you where where you would judge me. Um, because I think that your view of me starts when we met till now. My So so whatever my character is, um, what, you know, what, whatever that, uh, whether I hold up or not, or my inconsistency, all of that stuff, that starts from when we met t- till now. Not you know something that happened you know in college or for or, or you know yeah well and also the, the same for you like yeah and, and I'll be honest uh, I could handle it now but I don't think and I know you've had many exes who couldn't handle it um, I don't think that in my twenties or or even thirties you telling me about you know your wild nights or your uh, sex capades or whatever I don't I don't think that I would be able to. Um, handle it. I think I would be judgmental. Well, and I want to clarify, I've only had one ex that couldn't handle it because my ex, when I was in my twenties, we were so open about everything with each other. And there was so little judgment in that relationship that I actually just thought that that's what love looked like, which it kind of does. Well also, but that's also probably your youngest. You you guys were so Yeah, but I mean, we still had experiences before each other. I mean, we dated like 18 to, I don't know, 22 or something like that, whatever that was. And um, we were the kind of partners that would go out together and I would like draw his attention to like the beautiful girl that just walked in the bar and be like, oh my God, like this woman is stunning. Like, look, like, tell me about that night. Oh, that's really interesting. I don't know. Regardless, it was one person. Um, and I, I have a very strong reaction to that now on the other side of that experience, because I know how that experience made me feel. And it really made me feel, um, that the love was conditional and, and a lot of ways that was how I felt growing up. And I now know in hindsight that there was a trifecta of people in my life um, from growing up until my 20s that did have that same vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Like the love was conditional. And now I realize that the people that are close in my life are the exact opposite of that, that the love does not feel conditional. And I've obviously been, I think, more conscious than I even realize in pulling people into my sphere that are like that. Um, but, you know, this all goes back to when we first started dating, we had a conversation around what we dubbed responsible communication because... Um, I, I remember saying to you, I don't remember what it was, you know, whether it was a conflict or something, but 
I do remember us having a conversation where I said to you something along the lines of like, I don't need to know everything that's going on for you and in your life and in your head. Now, not like your past stories, but more like the in the moment with us, things right. that you were stressed out about, right. whatever. And I remember saying to you, basically, you sharing with me every single detail of what you're working out in your head in the midst of working it out is actually, I felt more damaging because it- It's it, irresponsible. It's irresponsible, because right? It's like you were putting on it you. on me, right, right? right? So now you walk away from the conversation feeling lighter, wiping your hands, feeling a little clean and clear, and I'm left now holding sure. the anxiety and holding the stress. Sure. And so that was the conversation that led us into you saying, okay, if you're on the one side of the spectrum, that's the verbal vomiter, what would it look like for you to actually sit with, be more discerning of what it is that you think you need to share and actually put some thought into, okay, this is actually for me to self-soothe. This right. actually is for me to sort out on my own. And then this is the component that I actually bring to my partner and discuss. Knowing the difference. And then I was on the opposite. So knowing that. that, yeah, so knowing, um, by the way, and so these days I don't say anything, I just uh, I just pout <laughs> and slam doors. Which you do is, still pout sometimes. I do, sure. Yeah. Um, which is hard for me because that's kind of how I grew up, but. Change is hard. I know it's hard. Do you want me to keep, do you want me to call it out when you do it? Or should I continue? You do. You call it out. Do I? You say, are, are you okay? What, what do you know? I, I, By the time I, I, I say, are you okay? I'm, I'm mad and resentful though. Right, I but I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm pouting. I feel like, um, um, I'm, I'm being reflective. I'm thinking. I'm fighting with myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm processing. It, it might come off as pouting, but I'm not like slamming doors and, you know, giving you the silent treatment. That would, that, I just might not be, you know, skipping and, and my energy might be different. But that's because I'm thinking about stuff. It's not because it, it, it's, the, it's me trying to be responsible and it may, may come off as, oh, he's pouting again. But that's actually not what's happening. So my request to you, I guess, in that conversation, this is interesting that we're recording right now because we haven't talked about this. My request is as you continue to work on this and I'm working on my own stuff, obviously, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, you've gotten better to your point of the pouting. My request to you to push you a little further would be to tell me I'm working through something. I'm in my head. I realize I'm in my head. I'm working through something. I'll talk to you about it when I kind of know what it is I want to talk to you about what? versus okay. energy changing and shifting and sure. then it feeling like I'm the one that needs to go, are you okay? Which makes me feel like it's on me or my responsibility uh, to manage your emotions, which you know, is not necessarily true, but that's like my MO, right? You know, in our book, we talk a lot about um, finding beauty in the contrast, mm -hmm. right? and our differences and mm -hmm. a lot of me going inward is actually me convincing myself that our differences are, are still are okay and i'm saying this because it's a process you know um it th th there's no solution it's me telling myself there's no solution and bringing this up or talking about it because you shouldn't try to change vanessa anyway so what right. you, so it's not like something someone did anything wrong. It's more about me um, doing what can't what I can't accept who you are, how you are, what you like, what you don't like, all of the you know. And it's the um, um, if 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 I sense any kind of mismatch and that's important to me. Before it would be me trying to convince you to change or do that or trying to like you know put you in some kind of um, mold you in some way, and so. These days, I'm trying to be more accepting. Mm -hmm. And I think I respect know. all the reasons why you're doing it. I think what I'm asking for is let's not pretend like I can't tell. Yes. Because clearly I can. I'm empathic as fuck. But what do I say 
if it's not if it doesn't a conversation isn't going to solve it so what do i say I'm it just, doesn't conversation doesn't need to solve it you just need to acknowledge that your energy is different instead of yeah. leaving me clearly knowing that the energy is different but you're not saying anything which then that triggers my codependency into being like what happened what did i do what's wrong what do i need to fix how do i need to solve this that's where i go with it and then by the time i say to you what's wrong my what's wrong let me be very clear is not coming from an empathetic place my my what's wrong is coming from a, i'm fucking mad and resentful now because you're walking around holding this your energy has changed and you haven't said anything to me about it so it 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 tends to be a little bit of a snowball whereas i almost feel like if you were like i'm working through something just so you know i know that i'm being whatever like weird um just know it's not you know it, it, don't worry like we're not in a fight or whatever yeah, yeah, that yeah. looks like Does if that make i sense? so one of the things one of the the splinters i guess in our in our in our past uh is this whole thing of me because we speak different langu love languages and we have different you know ways that we give and receive love different sexual appetites all that stuff um me saying that i don't feel desired so if i one day feel like i don't feel desired before i would say you know i don't feel desired can, you know what can you do to make me feel desired all that kind of stuff today i try to pause for a second and and ask myself um okay you feel that way how much of that is is is, is you mm -hmm. what can you be responsible for mm -hmm. and 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 don't try to um give vanessa a prescription mm -hmm. or can you do this or can we go have sex or can we or put pressure on you in any mm -hmm. way and so in that moment where i'm in a you know fighting with me it's uh um it's 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 when the incredible hulk doesn't want to turn green yeah and, he, and he's trying to calm down and calm down and because then once he turns green it's too late right and so um I think that's when you feel me disconnecting or getting very quiet or, or pouty and it's me fighting with myself because a part of me is like, well, I have a right to feel desired and, you know, she needs to do this and this and that. And then the other part of me, a bigger part of me, a more mature part of me is like, well, if you don't feel desired, how much of that is coming from, you know, like your internal source, internal source yeah. uh, past stuff, you feeling needed or, or because of how much of that is your responsibility yeah whether that equals masturbation or just you calming down or doing something else and or accepting and how much of that is or doing something that fills you up right like that doesn't have anything to do with sex yeah well, that's nothing to do with sex yeah. sure or how much of that is um vanessa's job right or something that you are putting pressure on and so me dissecting that can get me to get very uh, very quiet and and so i don't know do i say to you hey i'm you know I don't want to turn green, <laughs> so I'm. Sure, you know, maybe. This is I'm in I'm my head about, about something. Sure, um, but you know, if you said I'm in my head about something, I would want to know more because to me, that's that keeps me on. The, yeah, like, I could well. say I'm in my head about something. I need a little time to work it out, and I'll come to you when I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah. Right, because that shows that. I'm aware that I'm in my head about something, but I'm doing my work to sort out exactly what you were saying, what's mine, and then what do I need to discuss with you? And then just saying to you, trust me, I'll come to you when I'm ready, um, which puts you at ease, which doesn't make you feel like you need to swoop in and say, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, and try to fix it, which is usually where I go, again, my codependency gets activated and I think I need to fix it and sort it out and solve it, which then makes me resentful because I know that it's not my job to solve it, even, you know what I'm saying? So it just turns into this whole fucking snowball. <laughs> Yeah. Can you read something from the book? Yes. You and know, I'll, I, I I'll think... read my part because we didn't talk too much about the whole not communicating. 
piece, I, but I, I think I, this is I helpful. think the other point here, the secondary point here is um, not what we're saying, but where we're at, meaning, um, you know, Vanessa and I have been together for four years, and there are still stuff that we are both individually and as a couple working on. And, and we'll forever be working on. Yeah, that's just the ebb and flow of a relationship. And so what we're talking about now is, you know, uh, one thing, right? But this is this is what this it is takes. what relationshiping looks like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to read from page 143 in the chapter that we're talking, you know, speaking from. So I say almost everything we do in relationships, including communication, can be taken in one taken to one of two extremes. One extreme is what John is referring to, word vomit, i.e., over communicating. The other extreme is not communicating at all. I tend toward this side of the spectrum. I'm a great talker. I can talk to a brick wall and the conversation will be riveting, I assure you. I'm also a great communicator at work. I can work through problems, clearly articulate needs and potential solutions, but throw me into something vulnerable and I am a master at sweeping it all under the rug in order to not rock the boat, right? In the beginning, I remember saying to John, we don't need to talk about everything. And he also used to constantly ask me what was wrong because he sensed and was usually correct that I wasn't speaking up about something. Um, his spidey senses developed in his previous relationships were helping him here. I would usually say nothing, even if it was something, which is not fair to either party. I wasn't allowing him to grow and trust the relationship, and I wasn't pushing myself to grow by practicing speaking up. I was annoyed when he would ask me if everything was okay, but how could I have expected him to not constantly be, dig be digging and trying to share and communicate everything when he was always sensing that I wasn't honestly communicating the important stuff? That's crazy making. Through practice, we can figure out what the communication middle ground is, the point between the two extremes. It does not come naturally for me to speak up, avoiding conflict, not being clear and direct about my upsets or needs, downplaying what I'm feeling as not being worth speaking up over, feeling needy for having needs. These are my default beliefs that have become the basis for my communication strategies. Not surprising, they do not work, period. I've had enough relationships, both romantic and friend, and partly because of my inability to communicate, to know that my way is most certainly not the right way. Let's ask ourselves some hard questions to see how we can work to find the middle ground between our extremes, what John and I call responsible communication. Yeah. You want to end with some questions? Sure. Questions? questions to ask yourself. And this is really important because it gets you to um, think and chew on. Are you someone who tends to share easily, maybe a little too easily, like me? Um, what's going through your mind? If so, try to asking yourself what you might need to take responsibility, what you might need to take responsibility for. Uh, what is yours to investigate, to own, to sit with, and not place on your relationship? Are you using your partner to soothe your own anxiety rather than to build the skills to self-soothe? What is, what is your hope in sharing the things you share? That is a good one. Yeah, what is your hope? What's the What's your hope in sharing the things that you want to share, yeah. right? Ask you, yourself that, that question. Uh, is it to change the other person? Is it to be understood and accepted fully? Uh, to offload some of your heavier anxious feelings onto the other person so you can feel better, a little better about yourself. And you know, this is also why seeing a therapist is so important. Mm -hmm. Is so if if you do need to to offload, uh, yes, of course you you could um, um, do it on you know with your friends. I have no friends, but um, Vanessa has friends. Or you can have a therapist so instead of vomiting on your partner you can process and unload on your therapist and i guarantee you 
after that session, as long as you're doing the work and being authentic and, and courageous and doing that, you will leave so light and no, you won't have the need to come home and unload it on your partner. If you do, that unload will be minimal because you just did it with your therapist and you had a lot of revelations in the process. Yes. And I want to clarify here, and this could be a whole other podcast, the purpose of therapy is not just to vent. Yeah, of course. Right? Of course, but... Venting has to be proactive in therapy. If you're coming yes. in to bitch about somebody at work or this thing, whatever that happened, as long as you are prepared for the therapist to stop you, and they should, poke holes in what you're saying, yes. turn the mirror around on you, get you to be, you know, inward thinking, all these things. I do think a lot of people, and I've had this question a lot, a lot of people come to me thinking that therapy tends to just be a dumping session, and that's not Well, helpful. that's that's up to... Also, I could take your money forever if that, that's what you want to do, but that's not me helping you. That's up to the therapist. It's the therapist's job to challenge you and let you know that it's, it's not just about venting. Job. But that being said, in the beginning, and if you've never seen a therapist and you've never expressed yourself, the first you know, few months of your sessions may just be all venting and that's okay. You know, mm, we disagree. Pe people go at different, it depends on what different you speeds. need from your therapist. <clears throat> and if you just need to vent, I think that is totally okay. It just can't be forever. Or all the time. Yeah. Or are you someone who struggles to communicate? If so, start by asking yourself why you shut down or make a decision not to share. What are you afraid of? Be honest with yourself. Why do you feel like you can't trust the other person with your true feelings? Are you choosing to stay in a relationship lined with resentment, one in which you're not heard or seen, rather than risk an upset or being left by your partner? Does that feel fulfilling to you? And then just bottom line, are you resentful at all? Question your resentments. You can get our book right now for pre-order. It's not me, it's you. It's Blue. John Kim and Vanessa Bennett on Amazon. Thank you for listening. Be well. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training. And it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.